It's time for the main squeeze. Well, here she is, Gabrielle Laurie. You are living for your intro, aren't you? You just love it. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> makes me laugh every time. <laughs> and it's so true. It's like you know, we. <laughs> It can. Like a saucy dolly doctor. Yep, absolutely. Love it. <laughs> All right, so we are, I should introduce it properly, we are with our resident relationships and sex therapist, Gabrielle Laurie, on The Main Squeeze. And today we're talking about love addiction. Now, we've all been in those first flushes of love. Um, you know, the, the hormones are pumping. We feel like we're floating on air. But you're here to talk about something different where people are actually chasing that all the time. Yes, mm. that's correct. Okay. Yeah. And it yeah, can make people end up pretty lonely and miserable, you know, in the long run if it's not identified and treated. Okay. So what is, what is classified clinically as, as love addiction? It's not really um, in the diagnostic man- manual. It's just something that I suppose relationship and sex therapists recognise and, and even 12-step programs recognise. There is a love and sex addicts 12-step program, like there's AA for alcoholics, NA for na- narcotics, overeaters. There's 12-step programs for everything, and they do a very good one with the love and sex addicts. Yeah, it's been around for a long time, this recognition that, yeah, people, the honeymoon period is pretty awesome and we all love it and it does go away, but some people will just break up then. They won't go into the, you know, regular relationship love. They'll think they're no longer in love and they'll break up looking for that. They mistake intensity for love. Yes, okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. And you know what? Like looking at it when you're saying that there's this 12-step program, I can completely understand because it is a high in those yeah. in those first flushes of love and there yeah. is some pretty serious chemical stuff going on. Um, yeah. I've even read that, um, you know, we talk about rose-coloured glasses and yeah. um, they sort of talk about the hormones that are activated when you're in those first flushes of love as the same as like narcotics in, in yeah. the feeling that they give you. So yeah. it's kind of like chasing that chemical high without mm. putting anything up your nose or, uh, you know, <laughs> smoking anything or injecting yeah. anything. It's this, it's the same sort of premise, yeah. Yeah, and that's why a lot of people, I suppose, may not think they have it because they're not putting anything up their nose or mm. in their mouth, no pills in their mouth. Yeah. So they kind of don't recognise that they do have an addiction. But I suppose we would, when people come to see me, I help them notice their obsessive thoughts about this person mm. and that they're, fear of being alone or abandoned or rejected and thinking that other person, once they get them, is going to finally make them feel whole. So people that have love addiction will give up, like they might choose outfits, jobs, rental properties or go to the gym in order to win their love interest, even if it really sacrifices the career that they really want or the suburb they really want to live in with the good flatmates they really want to be with. Like they'll just do things that, put the love interests supposed needs first and mm. their own last it's uh and then they'll resent this eventually thinking that it's going to come back to them 
whereas they're usually uh, maintaining this addiction because they're choosing to love people that are emotionally unavailable or have avoidant attachment. So it gives them that chase, that dopamine, we get a dopamine hit when we're chasing something new. And so they're on that dopamine hit all the time, even though it's mixed with a lot of suffering. It's like, oh, that person texted. Oh, my God, I'm high for the rest of the week. Oh, they haven't texted for four days now. What's going on? I'm going to analyse everything they've said or done, every breath they've taken. What does it really mean? <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's it's sort of like enmeshing yourself in someone else's life that doesn't really align with your values. And I heard a really good saying once that was, relationships aren't two parts to a whole. They are two whole people that come together. And I really Absolutely. loved that. Because, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, obviously when you're entering into something new, there are compromises and, you know, you, you're two people who live who have lived differently, so you're working out how that synergizes. But completely abandoning your own values, personality um, and way of life to mesh with this person has disaster written all over it, doesn't it? Oh, yes. It leads to so much heartache and pain and and it's a form of codependence. It's yeah. uh, a lot of, I suppose, I've seen a lot of young women over the years become, like with love addiction and codependence because they they have this kind of addiction to rescuing hurt puppies, mm. which are basically guys that can't give them the same love in return. Yeah. <laughs> either unwilling or incapable because of their own trauma. But these girls are addicted to fixing, rescuing, saving, managing, you know, might even book GP appointments for them or or ring up their boss to tell them off for them. Like, And I have to say to these young women that if you're in love with his full potential, that person doesn't exist. Yes. Yes. He may, <laughs> he may never change. You've got to check, are you in love with the person as they are now, whether they change nothing at all? Could you love and accept them? Yeah, or are you in love with the idea of love? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Um, This has sort of come into my life recently uh, with a friend of mine and – yeah, it would seem that the the dynamic is that, um, and particularly sort of like, you know, as women, like we have biological clocks and we have yeah. uh, societal expectations and all of that sort of thing. And my observation was that it wasn't necessarily about the person. It was about the perceived potential and the ticking the life goals off the list. So the white picket fence and the baby yeah. and the, you know, and so um, it was almost like that that person would do anything to sort of attach to this person but then have them fit into all of the the list of, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, just rang alarm bells because it was like, yeah, I don't know that it's about him. I don't. I don't know no. that it's about him. I, I don't think after this period of time that you really can make a judgment on whether you want to have babies with this person because you don't know them well enough. So, yeah, it's really interesting that you're saying <laughs> That's what we do here yeah. at The Juice. You know, we, we it's real talk. We apply real-life situations to oh, the – yeah, to, uh, Yeah, <laughs> as evidence. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a lot of this, a lot of this, you know – as young women, we may have had a bit of this in our in our 
early 20s, you know, mm. chasing the bad boy because he seems more exciting, more of a prize. You know, it gives you that ego boost, but that's when you have low self-esteem. And But after you get hurt enough times, generally a lot of men and women mature out of that and they start being more attracted to the kind people, the consistently honest people, the consistently reliable people. But love addicts will find these people boring. They'll never build that attraction or appreciation for them mm. until they have a bit of work on maybe some you know, abandonment or lack of validation issues they got from a parent when they were a child. Yeah, I see what you're saying. What we might do, Gabrielle, is we'll take a break and uh, when we come back we'll talk about some some ways to sort of identify it and how we might go about treating it. We'll be back with Gabrielle Laurie, our resident relationships and sex therapist, very shortly on The Juice. Well, we're back with Gabrielle Laurie. How are you? I am very well. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, look, um, we have been talking about love addiction. And in the first segment, we were talking about um, some scenarios and how, how that might present. But I wanted to get a little bit more in depth with you into, um, so if we think that we are possibly engaging in that ourselves or we're seeing it in our partner, what sort of things would we be looking for in terms of behaviours, I guess, that would indicate that? Your Possibly, you, you're more likely to notice it in yourself or your single friends. Yeah. Not like if you're partnered up and you've stayed together for a long time, um, you know, uh, it's they might have some enough secure attachment to be able to stay attached. Yes. But so it's more obvious in in yourself or your single friends when you're single. It's more. Um, if your friend is uh, only able to talk about the one that she's met yeah, or he, uh, they think about them all the time, they can't sleep or they're having wedding fantasies and they've only known them for a month, mm. um, you know, that's, that's definitely some indicators, the obsessive thoughts. And, they, and they, they might, you know, each time they lose that love interest, they might say, well, there's no good ones out there. I'll never find real love. Why doesn't anyone love me? What's wrong with me? Um, but the fact is they they are not interested in the people that are interested in them. Yes. yes. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah, not in the ones that are healthy for them and that really would love to give to them and love them. They would ignore them or avoid them because they don't have good self-esteem. Love addicts have low self-esteem. So it's no prize to win someone who already wants you because you don't love yourself enough to respect someone who sees you, you know, you as wonderful. So mm. you're trying to chase that one that doesn't really want you. And if you can make them love you, wow, well then finally proven to yourself you are hot enough or smart enough or attractive enough, you know? Mm, I absolutely get what you're saying, yeah. But what happens when you actually do? Because I'm assuming that, I mean, these chemicals, although fabulous and we've all felt them, yes, I would be exhausted if I stayed in that state. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, that's why 
why they wear off because it isn't sustainable to have the limerence or the honeymoon intensity for more than six months or a year or two years max. Like if you have it for longer than that, your bills are going to be left unpaid, the kids won't be looked after, you, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. won't be going to netball, you'll be going, oh, no, I have to stay home with the one. You'll just be too addictive, you know. You'll be yeah. sacrificing everything and, and everything will turn to crap <laughs> yeah you, yeah I yeah. mean we all we all love like you know the little love bubble and and um yeah. you know that that special time you know where you talk for hours and all that sort of stuff and that's great um yeah. you know but yeah there is still lunches to make and there is still netball practice <laughs> to be dropped off to and you know it's just Oh, good Lord. Like, I don't know about you, Gabrielle, but my schedule would not allow for a utopian existence such as that. I mean. Oh, my God. <laughs> you definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's not sustainable after kids. Oh, God, <laughs> no. God, you no. Of that and you can reintroduce tastes of that on a date night. So it's never gone completely. But, yeah, it's not 24-7 like love addicts want to feel it. Yeah. And, and I suppose we'll get on to the treatment area quickly. If if someone's not wanting to join a Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous group because they don't want to, you know, they're not ready to meet other people and admit it in public and do some 12-step programs, and 12-step programs can turn some people off because they're, you know, belief in a higher power kind of help support mm. things. Yeah, it can turn some people off who don't have a belief in a higher power. Or Understand, like yeah. Yeah. yeah, so there's books like um, Women Who Love Too Much by Erica Norwood that's mm-hmm. been around for years and That has years. been, yeah, around for ages, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a book called Love Addicts by Ethelie Ann Barr, and she explains it perfectly, what it is, um, why you get it, and how to treat it. Right. So, however, it's always best to go see a love and sex therapist or a relationship therapist so you can get some support with this because like I said earlier it can be linked to things like you know uh, having abandonment issues or not enough attention from your parent as you were when you're a child and you know needing that intensity um, or from having kind of for some women because they don't have the testosterone that guys have the only way they can get that roller coaster feeling is if they go for a bad boy because mm. he's unpredictable and he's not really available. Whereas if they go for a good guy, they feel like they're on a merry-go-round and they can't get that horny feeling. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I see yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's almost like um, if it's secure, uh, then it's yeah, it's boring and it's it's not going to yeah like. Um, yeah, invoke um, sexual uh, yeah, wanting to wanting to be intimate and that sort of thing because yeah, it's not about you know it's there and it's secure, so it's not it's not that um, unpredictability. Like, is he going to turn up? And um, yeah, yeah, I can I can understand that. It's uh, it makes complete sense. Mm. And I think yeah, going. I think if you recognise this in yourself or you or you see it. 
um, you know, in friends, it's it's worth sort of going, look, you know, therapists can actually help you with that because the issue is probably not around the person that you're pursuing. The issue is probably around, um, you know, your your early attachments and, um, you know, how how that manifested uh, as to as to what your programming is. So you need to actually delve into that and unpack that first before you can sort of get onto a even playing field with um with finding someone who can attach securely. Yeah, that's right. It it's it would be really hard to uh, break this pattern alone. Yeah, like don't get the books or join a group or see a therapist. Um, you might kid yourself that uh, this time you're not going to let yourself have fairy tale wedding fantasies after a month this time you're not going to obsess yeah. <laughs> but um yeah that's it's great advice just get some support with it yeah um, and and a lot of people do grow out of it so that's good news yeah yeah um, Sub note, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Gabrielle, I really think this has been fascinating and I, I really thank you for bringing this to the table. And, um, yeah, it is it is something that um, I have certainly observed in, in my time and, um, yeah, it's interesting to sort of look at it from your point of view as a therapist and what comes to you. And uh, great advice out there. Grab the books. People look at the 12-step program or go and see a, a sex and relationships therapist like Gabrielle, for example. Uh, if you're finding that this is sort of impacting your quality of life. That was our resident relationships and sex therapist, Gabrielle Laurie, and you're listening to The Juice. (laughs) 